if you want to write down some things uh, in the introductory part of your of your Bible, you can do you can do that this morning. Um, we're gonna this morning is gonna be an overview of the Book of Acts. So there'll be some definite teaching, uh, more teaching on the front side. Uh, last point there, we'll we'll get a little uh, we'll get a little deeper practically, um, but. I want us to make sure that as we're walking through the book of Acts, we understand uh, that the purpose behind this book is that that each of us as individual believers, man, we, we, really, we really find our place in living our lives for the mission. Like that's what the book of Acts is about. It's, it's, about, uh, it's about a group of people that found their place living in God's mission that ultimately give God, give God's give gives God glory and, you know a lot of times we live our own missions right everybody understand that a lot of times we live our own missions and uh, and and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily uh, it that doesn't really give the Lord glory and so we we need to we need to make sure when we're walking through this it's gonna be really it's gonna be really cool I'm I'm really excited about it um, because it is um, it's it's a very passionate book. Like it's 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 uh, it's a passionate book that is going to put us into a place that we can go back and we can see the first century Christian, and you can you can see. And I don't know how many of you um, there's if you if you haven't gone and listened to mission folk the mission focus minute. Uh, uh, Times of preaching, uh, you can go to MBT, uh, I think it's MBTCK or something like that, dot org. Anyway, um, yeah, it's on YouTube, Spotify, where, and you can go back and you can hear the message. Brian Clark really nailed down uh, some stuff about first century, about, about Christians in, in, in the last days. That they're that the that we don't have to be Laodicean in the last days, like we can be the remnant in the last days, and and so that's kind of what the book of Acts is. It, it kind of gives us a a look at the first century Christian and how we can energize and how you and I can can really get a passion for living our lives on a mission. Um, we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, today is going to be let's get our acts together as an overview. Uh, I started to do let's get our acts in line. Uh, that would have been a better title, hindsight, but Charlie put me on the spot. And I was like, well, uh, let's throw this out there. But now, after I took a whole day to think about it, I'm really sad that we didn't get our acts in line. Uh, but it's done, deal's done. Uh, Probably the Lord that kept me from doing that anyway. You know what I mean? Uh, who, who knows? Um, but this is going to be a foundation, okay? This is really just going to be a foundation. You're going to be able to get a, a handle on the book of Acts. You're going to be able to see where its place is in the canon of Scripture. Um, you're going you're gonna to be able to see, in, in actuality, this is, uh, this is a really practical book. Um, it's going to encourage you. It's going to challenge you. And, and, and in the last days, we need this, right? In the last days, we need to be encouraged and we need to be challenged. How many of you, we, we hear it all the time. Uh, we're, we're all the time saying, man, we're, we're, we're living in the last days. And we believe that we are living in the last days. Well, you've been saying that forever. Well, it still doesn't mean that we're wrong for saying that we're living in the last days. So what does that mean? Well, we don't have any time. It means that we don't have time to waste. It means that we, we, we don't have the time that we need uh, to be wasted on trivial things that don't matter. It means we don't need to, it's not time to be arguing about things that don't matter, right? Uh, there are things worth fighting for and there are things worth standing for and then there's some that we just need to, we need to see our way out of the situation. Um, but this morning, I, 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 want, I want us to make sure that, that we get this idea that God God wants to do something in our lives. God wants to use us. God wants to use this book to change our lives. So I want us to make sure that we get it in our head that, that this book is super important to understanding your Bible. Okay, 
Uh, I'm going to pray, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump right into it. Uh, Lord, thank you again for today. Thank you for uh, what we've already uh, been a part of and the worship that we've already experienced. Lord, I, I do pray that you uh, help us this morning as we work through this, uh, this book of the Bible. God, make it plain. And Lord, for those of us that may not get everything, I, I pray, uh, Lord, as we keep continually going through the book, Lord, that, that new stuff will make its way to the front and, and, and new dots will connect and, and make the whole Bible make sense. Um, Lord, we, we sure do love you and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so the book of Acts is, uh, is one of, if not the key book of the Bible in the New Testament. Okay, it is, it is the foundational book of the New Testament. It's also, uh, in the New Testament, it's one of the most dangerous books. Uh, because there is a lot of, when I, when, I say, when I say dangerous, there's a lot of false doctrine that comes out of the book of Acts. Uh, so, uh, first we want to look this morning, I want you, because of that, I want you to understand the position of Acts. Understand the position of Acts. And what I mean by that, in other words, is that you need to understand the position of Acts in terms of where it is in the Scripture, where it is in the canon of Scripture. Now, now if you look at it, you'll see that it comes directly after the four Gospels, but it is immediately before the Pauline epistles. So uh, it is immediately before the letters that are written to the church. So Acts is in between two key sections, two key sections of your Bible. The Gospels and Romans. Okay? Now, why is that, why is that, why is that very important? But because the book of Acts tells a story. It tells a story. We, we actually, when a lot of times, uh, we, we call the book uh, Acts, and that's not actually its complete name. Okay? And we, we mess up when we don't call the book exactly what it is. Well, what is the book's complete name? The Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles. Well, what is it? It is a storyline. Okay? You look at it and you read it with objective eyes, and it is a storyline. Now, what does it teach? Well, it, it, it actually has to do with the Apostles of Jesus Christ and what they did after His resurrection, but before their deaths. After his resurrection, but before his death. So, so that, that means that this book is unique in its application in the first century and the unique ministry of the apostles of Jesus Christ. And so I want you, I want you to understand, it makes this book, okay, in terms of position, it makes this book a book of history, okay? It makes this book a book of history. And you need to understand that. That you don't get yourself in trouble trying, uh, trying to pull things out of a certain place in the Bible that doesn't actually pertain to you. Okay, So, so if, if Acts is a history book, if it's primarily a history book, here's what you need to know. It's not a doctrinal book. Okay? It's not a doctrinal book. It's not a doctrinal book for you and me written directly to me as is the Pauline epistles. It tells you what the apostles did, hence the name, the Acts of the Apostles. Is everybody trying with me so far? Does that make sense? Okay. Um, now, what, what you're going to find in the book of Acts is if you start pulling too much doctrine from the book of Acts, you're going to get into some very muddy waters really quick. And, 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 and what, what do you mean? Well, um, you can find a lot of things that happen in the book of Acts that doesn't happen in anywhere in the New Testament church letters. Uh, for instance, people are getting baptized for the remission of their sins in the book of Acts, but they're not in any New Testament church epistle. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's a, it's a transitional book. It means there's some stuff that happened. Nobody in here, did, I don't think anybody in here seen a bright light when they got saved and they were knocked off their horse. Anybody? Did anybody hear uh, the voice of Jesus and ask you, you know, uh, how long are you going to kick against the pricks and then told you uh, 
hey, go into the next town, you, you're blind. Anybody, anybody find themselves blind? No, no, nobody found themselves blind. Uh, and, and then you had to go into another town, and then you had to have somebody else tell you, help you to tell you what he was going to do when you got saved. Anybody? Anybody anywhere? No. You know why? Because cause, cause it wasn't the same. It was different. And, and look, you say, well, I, I, I don't agree with that. Well, you just, just hang on. Maybe you can get some agreements in here somewhere here in a few minutes. Um, what, what is interesting about the book of Acts is how it, its developmental stages and establishment of the church or, or really the body of Christ is starting its structure. Okay? Uh, he, was doing, he was doing all the, the founding of the, of the body of Christ through the apostles. Okay? He's doing this through the apostles and Paul that this is actually happening through the apostles. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, uh, be on the screen. Uh, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundations, uh, excuse me, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the body uh, all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also build it together uh, for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. So what, what you need to see is through Christ, the Old Testament rules, okay, the law was actually was actually fulfilled with Christ. Okay? The law is actually fulfilled with Christ. In, in, in Matthew 5 and verse 17, think that I am Come, uh, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am, come, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And then Paul re-ups on that in Romans chapter number 8. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son the likeness of sinful flesh, for sin condemned sin the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So what, what you have to realize is that something brand new is born. The body of Christ is born, and it's built upon the chief cornerstone, but the, the key here is that the apostles are the foundation. Okay, The apostles are the foundation. All right? so, so in Acts, we see, we, we get to see the foundation of the church being built in history. We get to see the foundation of the church being built in history. And... We get to watch the spread of the gospel. We get to watch it spread throughout the, throughout the nation. And it, it's amazing to see the early church, the early Christians, live out the great commission that Jesus Christ gave in Matthew chapter 28. It's, it's an amazing thing. So, so after his resurrection, we're, we're going to look at key verse uh, real quick. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but before his ascension, uh, he, he gives us what, what, we, uh, what we believe to be the key verse in the New Testament. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that's memorized this verse, but it's a very practical verse. Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, in Samaria, of the earth. So so the last words that Jesus the last words Jesus doubles down on the mission mandate for his followers. This is what Jesus Christ has called his disciples to be about and, and we can say this this is the end this is an index verse in the book of Acts not not because not only, uh, not, not because of, of any other reason, then this is, this is what God called us to. Okay? Make sure you get that. This is what God called us to. Not only is it a book of history, but, but it's also a book of transition. Okay? It's a book of transition. Uh, so we know the position of the book. It's between the Gospels and Pauline epistles. And, and the position of the book is really important because Acts transitions us from an Old Testament economy to a New Testament economy. It transitions us from, uh, from a uh, primary uh, focus of a Jew to now Gentile. 
it, it goes from uh, Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. It goes from the kingdom of God, uh, kingdom of heaven, now to the kingdom of God. It kind of bridges the gap, if you would, from an entirely Jewish New Testament church into the Gentile church, the bride of Christ. Okay, it, it, man, it's 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 really huge. It, it transitions from uh, the letter of the law to the spirit of grace, from the sign gifts on complete, full display to the functions of the endearing, enduring edification. Uh, edification gifts of the Spirit as time goes through the church. And, 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 and you're going to see all that. You're going to see all that as we move through the book. You're going to see all that. And it's important to know that, that Acts is a transitional book. And, and, and when I say transitional book, I mean we better be careful in this book. Better be careful in how we apply it. But because... If we apply it all to the church, again, we're going to get in some really muddy waters. We're going to get in some really muddy waters. If you apply, uh, if, for instance, I wrote this down this morning. If you apply the book of Acts doctrinally to us today, the next time we pick a set of deacons, the next time that we pick a set of, uh, of ministry, ministry leaders or uh, we're, we're, guess what we got to do to pick uh, the next deacon in the church? Anybody know? We got to cast lots. That's how we got to do it next time. Well, if that's how they did it there, then that must be how we do it, right? We got to cast lots to see who's going to be uh, who's going to be the next deacon in the church. Okay, so there's a lot of things. It, 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 chapter two would tell us that it's okay for us to speak in tongues. If we were going to pull doctrine out of there. Uh, we would also say that this idea that baptism, baptism is a require for, requirement for salvation. Ruthie this morning is going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. What, what does that mean? The first sign of obedience is following the Lord in this believer's baptism. Now that she has placed her faith and her trust in the Lord Jesus in the death, burial, and resurrection, now the semblance of that you ready? The death, burial, and resurrection is in dying, is in you public, publicly professing in a watery grave, death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? You know what else we do that with? Anybody know? We do that with communion. We do the same thing with communion. Communion is a semblance of the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Okay? Same deal, um, but 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 we got to understand it, it's a it's a transitional book. It's a transitional book. Um, one of the rules of Bible study that we say around here all the time: all the Bible is written for you, but not all the Bible is written to you. All the Bible is written for you, uh, but not all the Bible is written to you. Um, if we were in school again. And Jordan was writing me love notes all over again, and telling me how much, uh, you know, her professing her undying love for me like she used to. And um, where, she, where is she? Is she here? Oh yes. Um, if she was doing that all over again, and somebody else got that letter that was, that had no, let's we'll just say it didn't have a name addressed to it. They'd be like, oh man, Jordan, Jordan really loves me, right? But here's what ends up happening. A lot of times in your Bible, you end up reading other people's mail and applying it to you. And, and that's, where, that's where you get out of shape. That's where you get out of kilter. And so there's, there's some books in here, Acts, Matthew, Hebrews, we, we need to understand uh, that those are those are books that we need to really rightfully divide. Amen. All right. So what what do I how do I how do I look at the book of Acts? Okay, there is a way that you can look at the book of Acts. You need to look at it in light of the biblical truth that God gave you. And what is that biblical truth? We already talked about this. It's from Romans, the Pauline epistles from Romans, Philemon. So if I can look objectively at the book of Acts through the lens of 
the New Testament Pauline epistles written to me, then I got it whooped. What does that mean? It means you look at the whole Bible that way. That's the way you look at the whole Bible. Why? Because all Scripture is given, right, by inspiration, and is profitable for doctrine. So all Scripture is given, and it's all profitable for doctrine, but we've got to make sure that we rightly divide it where it needs to be divided at. Okay? Uh, so we don't, build, we don't build church doctrine in the book of Acts. Uh, we get that from the book of Romans, uh, the first book written to the church. You ready? After the transition is complete. So you're, you're going to see you're going to see something that's really important, the, the transition that's going to take place. And I started laying that out last week. We're going to see it a little bit more uh, today. I started laying that out last week. There was a transition from the Jew to the Gentile. There was a transmission, uh, transition from Peter, uh, the, the primary uh, focus, the primary guy, uh, being Peter, to uh, really, uh, when you get to around chapter 13, is, is all Paul. Okay? Um, I told you a minute ago, it, what, we, what we need to understand, this book is not, is not unimportant. It is, it is at an utmost importance. It's just that we understand, we need to understand where it's at. We need to understand its foundation, okay? Um, when, you, when you start looking at the beginning of this book, it's, it's very much all Jewish, and, and, and it don't take long to read uh, the book and figure out that in the beginning that it is, in fact, all primarily Jewish. Now, why is that, uh, why is that such a big deal? Well... Uh, when you look at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6, I think we got it, uh, we should have it on the screen. When you look at it, Acts chapter 1 and, and, uh, and verse number 6, Jesus has been resurrected, he's been seen by 500 witnesses, and the apostles, they're, they're gathered in Jerusalem waiting on the, waiting on the promise of the Spirit. Okay? They're waiting on the Holy Ghost. And Jesus is with them, and, and, and here's, here's, what, here's what happens. They ask him a question that, that needs to kind of be uh, understood a little bit. When they were him saying, Lord, what, uh, wilt thou restore again the kingdom to Israel? Okay, the apostles, they needed... That they needed to know if the literal, visible reign of Jesus Christ would happen at that time. And, 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 and is it a legitimate thing for us to look for this right now? Okay, Jesus, he don't really answer them. Uh, he, he said, it's not for you to know the times uh, or the seasons which the Father had put into my, um, put into my power. Okay? Um, he doesn't give them a clear answer because there's still more chances being given. He doesn't need to give them a clear answer yet because, because there, there, there's, more, there's more chances being given. It's almost like a Luke that, that there's an answer from the Father in, in Luke chapter 23. When he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's almost like there's, there's the answer. Okay? Uh, right there in the book of Acts. So... We don't actually see uh, what, what, we, what we think to be um, an answer to that Acts 1-6 question until we see the third rejection. There's a third rejection with the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter number 7. And, and, and I want you to see something. Acts uh, 7 and verse 55, bro. Acts 7 and verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, this is Stephen. Looking up steadfastly in heaven, saw the glory of God. You ready? And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, what, what's interesting is Jesus standing on the right hand of God during the message that Stephen is preaching to Israel. Repent. Repent, repent, you crucified, repent man, you, you need to repent, you crucified the Lord, okay? Now why was he standing? Now we don't have time to jump into this, but why was he standing? Was that, 
Was that the place in time? Was that the, the place in time to where, alright, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is where they're going to submit themselves. And maybe this is where they're going to... So, so we'll dive into that when we get there. But know this, Israel rejected the message of Stephen. They rejected the message of Stephen. Um, there's three men that, reje that, that they rejected. Particularly, they rejected John the Baptist... They rejected Jesus, and then they rejected Stephen. Okay, there's three men. Three times. It's weird, that little three, just kind of crazy how it shows up over and over again in your Bible. There's three times that, that three men are rejected. And, and I, I think about, like, they rejected God the Father in the Old Testament. They rejected Jesus in the Gospel, and here we are in the book of Acts, and they're rejecting the Holy Spirit. Complete rejection all the way across the board. Three different times, complete rejection. So, so what happened? After that rejection, some things start to change in Acts chapter number 1, and Saul was contending, uh, consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Now, now look at this, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Okay? Now, here's, here's what happens. We're having the witness. We're having the witness is starting to take its way out beyond Jerusalem and, and, and it's going into Judea and it's going into Samaria. Now, what I will say, it, it, when you look at it, you're like, man, that looks kind of forced. Well, it could be, but, 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 but again, Acts 1.8, it indexes all this for us. It lets us know this has got to be a thing. This is a thing that's, that's got to take place. So you see in, in Acts chapters 8 through Acts chapters 12, this is going to be a section of transition within a transitional book. Okay. We're going to look at Acts 8, not, not this morning, but we're, when we get to Acts 8, we're going to see from Acts 8 to Acts number 12, uh, chapter 12, there is a section of transition within a book of transition. And, and, and in the midst of that, we're going to see the salvation of Saul. We're going to see uh, how Saul becomes Paul, and we're going to see who is the apostle to the Gentiles. Okay. Now, what's interesting is... Uh, is the main city of focus, it becomes Antioch, where it used to be Jerusalem. It used to be all about Jerusalem, now it's all Antioch. Um, look at Acts, uh, Acts 11 and verse 26. And, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that, the whole year, uh, that, that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Okay, Now, um, here this word Christians is showing up in your Bible for the very first time. Okay, So you're, you're, you're seeing the church being, its foundation being laid in the book of Acts. Everybody see that so far? Okay, uh, So, so we, we haven't really had uh, anybody called Christians, so... Um, there's nobody around that is being designated a Christian before Acts 11 and verse number 26. And, 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 and so something has changed. Okay? There's definitely a shift. There's definitely a, a transition. And, and now we see Paul is going to take center stage. Paul's going to be the man. From chapter 13 through the rest of the book, you're going to see uh, all three of Paul's missionary journeys. You're going to get to see the gospel message taken to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then the book ends. Now, this is worth seeing. This is how the book of Acts ends. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. That's a pretty interesting verse to end on. 
the transition for the most part is now is now complete. Uh, it, it means that we are ready to move into the book of Romans. It means that we are now ready that the foundation has been laid, that we see the book that, that lays out the historical understanding. It's all been laid, and now we have an understanding of history. We have an understanding of what God is doing in this transition in the first place. Uh, we, we understand that, that, you know, things are changing. Now, if you don't get all that, maybe this, you're here and you're listening, you're like, man, I don't get all that. Well, just hang on. Just get in, stay with us, stay in this, uh, stay within the, the series. Uh, there's always discipleship. Amen. Uh, there's always LFBI. Uh, there, there's plenty of places that you can that you can gain uh, some understanding from if you really want to. Okay. Um, let's look at number two: understanding the players in the book. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of characters in this book. Uh, many uh, individuals throughout the book of Acts, but there's two primary. Uh, guys in this book and then you're going to need to see one more that needs mission no, and I'm going to mention the first one uh, the, the one that needs mission I'm going to mention him first it's the author the author uh, the author of the book of Acts is Luke uh, there are some guys that argue that for whatever uh, that's worth there are some guys that argue the conclusion that this book is uh, is authored by Luke but if you go and look at Acts 1.1, uh, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. And then you go and look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 3. You're, you're going to be able to put together, it seemed good uh, to me also, having, ha uh, having had perfect understanding of these things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Both of the letters were written to Theophilus, okay, Luke is referring to his gospel as the former treatise, okay, the former written work. And, and, and for Luke, Luke, Luke can be read, don't you, don't you, Luke can be read as part one, and Acts can be read as part two. Okay? This is what Luke, this is this is how Luke views it. Okay? You say, I've never in my life heard that. Well, uh, get a bigger picture of your Bible today and, and maybe hang on to it, okay? Luke's a physician. Luke's a very dear brother to the Apostle Paul. He's a very dear brother. I, I, Colossians 4 and, and verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician and Demas greet you, okay? He, he's a very dear brother to the Apostle Paul. Luke was faithful all the way to the very end when nobody else was. Second uh, Timothy four and verse nine: Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, loving this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. You ready? Only Luke is with me. Only Luke is left. Okay. And, and I point this out as Luke being a mentionable guy, uh, because he he was an apostle of Jesus. And he's the one person that stayed with Paul all the way to the end. Okay, uh, so so we would say, what what would what? Why would that be a big deal? Well, it means it would be a big deal because Luke is probably the very best person to tell the story of the Book of Acts of the Apostles from the very beginning to the very end. Um, there's another guy uh, needs mentioning, Peter. Okay. Uh, Peter is the key man for like the first seven chapters of the book of Acts. He's still going around. Uh, he's still around in, in, in chapter 12. Uh, but, but Peter was the apostle to the Jews. Okay, let me, let me, let me show you that real quick. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7. But contrary wise, when, we, when they saw the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was, com was unto Peter. Okay, so, so, so we understand that, that Peter is the apostle unto the Jews. Okay, and, and, and when we see that, we, we understand the first part of the book of Acts, it is a Jewish-focused book. It's the gospel of the kingdom, of the literal, physical kingdom. Now, 
let me, let me give you a few takeaways from that. Peter is the man leading the charge in chapter 1 to determine uh, who's going to take uh, Judas' place. Okay? Peter was the man in chapter 2 who's preaching the sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter was the man, healing the lame man in chapter 3. Peter, along with John, then they're, they're preaching in chapter number 4 to the point of their arrest, and, and it just keeps going from there. Okay? So Peter is, is, is the man at this point, but then after the stoning of Stephen, we have those few chapters uh, of this transition that I, that I just talked to you about, and then a new guy starts really taking over. Okay, there, there's, there's only one mention, and, and you need to see this too. There's only one mention uh, in, in the book of Acts of Peter after this, and it's Acts chapter 15 and verse 7. And it's, it's actually Peter acknowledging the change that's being made. And I'm, I'm going to show you in two places. Um, uh, Acts 15 and verse 7. And when there had been uh, much disputing, you ready? Peter rose up. So what are they disputing about? They're disputing about whether Gentiles are worthy. That's what they're arguing about. They're all arguing about whether Gentiles are worthy. And he says this, Men and brethren, you know how that good while ago God made a choice among us that the Gentile, excuse me, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So Peter understands that there is a change that's being made, okay? He stands up amongst a group of hostiles and says, all right, this, guys, this is the real deal. All right, where, where does he get that from? Okay, where does he come about that at? Acts chapter number 10. Now, if you just want to write this out, it's not in your outline. If you want to write this out, Acts 10 and verse 34, Peter is, is having a dream, and he's, he's a great dream uh, because he's told that he can eat whatever he wants to eat right now. Uh, he went from not having all these dietary restrictions to now, Peter, the gamut is, you've, you've now got the full buffet on, on, on display. All right? But not only that, he, he's, he said, God lets him in on, on understanding what he has to say about the Gentiles. In, in verse, uh, Acts 10, verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, you ready? I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. This is, this is what brought Peter about in Acts chapter 15, that God, from Acts chapter 10, that God is no respecter of persons. All right? So he acknowledges that God's entire program is now opened up to the, uh, to the Gentiles. Okay? Um, there, there's another guy uh, that we need to see, and that's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul is consenting unto Stephen's death. Uh, and then he's confronted by the Lord himself on the Damascus Road. Okay? Uh, it's, it's another time of transition. And, and uh, there's definitely things that I would say uh, from, an applicational, from an applicable standpoint, from a very devotional standpoint, there is a lot of stuff from, uh, from, uh, from Paul's, Saul's salvation story on the Damascus Road uh, that I can apply to my own life. But his was different nonetheless, okay? It was definitely a, a, a different time, all right? So what happens, chapter 13, him and Barnabas, uh, they're called out as missionaries at the beginning of chapter 13. And now over the next nine chapters, uh, they, they go on three missionary journeys and they take the gospel all over the world. And the book of Acts ends with Paul's imprisonment. And, and it's an amazing story. You say, man, Paul did all that uh, just to end the book of Acts in prison. And, and, and yes, uh, in prison. Um, the book of Acts can roughly, uh, roughly be divided into the ministry of Peter and in chapter 12 and the ministry of Paul uh, from chapter 13 all the way to the end. Uh, the first part is the Jerusalem center. The second part's an Antioch center. The, the first part is, a, uh, again, is Peter being the primary figure. Uh, the second part is Paul being the primary figure. Uh, but this is, this is interesting. The first part, and, and I hope you can jive with this, the first part there is a resistance, uh, a resistance kind of from outreaching movements uh, from 
Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. So there's like a, a, almost a resistance. Now, in the second part, now there is, uh, there's not a resistance. There is an incentive and uh, in, in a very far-reaching movement from Antioch through the empire, to the, uh, throughout the empire of Rome. So, so there's, there's two, different, uh, two different people groups uh, being reached primarily. Uh, they had very different ministries. They had very different ministries, but they were both used in very, very mighty ways. Okay, um, Maybe next week I'll bring you a book, uh, bring you a, a sheet to and, and kind of break down every chapter for you uh, so you can see that as well, maybe get a grasp on that. Um, let me give you this last one. I'm going to finish uh, as fast as I can so we can get on baptizing. Um, I'm going to give you this last one because it's. I, I, I wanted to get here as quick as we could because it is the most practical part of this whole thing today. Um, understand the passion for the mission. Okay, Understand the passion for the mission. What was it that drove these guys uh, to live their lives for the mission? I, and, and when I say that, I mean that on a, from a literal standpoint. Because here, here's, here's what we all need to understand. All of these men died. They died for the mission. All of them. They all died standing for Christ. They all had a passion. And, 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 and what we need to look at the books of, uh, book of Acts and see is that 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 passion needs to be passed on to us. That that passion, it needs to be passed on us. Look at, look at Acts 17 and verse number 6. This, this, is, one of, this is one of the greatest uh, verses in the book of Acts. We're going to look at two of them this morning. But this is one of the greatest verses in the book of Acts. And when they found them, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world are upside, uh, world upside down are come hither also. There was men that had a label of turning the world upside down. You know what that is? That's passion for the mission. That's what that is. That is passion for the mission. Man, don't, don't, you, don't you want to be a part of something cool like that? Man, man, don't don't you want don't don't you want to be somebody that when you die that you have maybe not turned the entire world upside down, but you at least turned somebody's world upside down. Man, maybe you maybe you have and maybe you see it, and and, and we get serious and and and, and you say, man, we're, we'll never reach Georgia. What about our community? We'll never reach Georgia. What about our community? What about our lives, those that we impact on a daily basis? Can we be a part of that to turn the world upside down? To literally be labeled amongst people that turn the world upside down? That's what we need. We need to be about that, right? Uh, Dan, you can come play that piano if you would. So how are we going to learn? What, what, can we, what can we do? We can learn from this church. We can learn from the first century followers of Jesus Christ that we can actually turn the world upside down with our lives. Look, look at the next thing. Uh, we need to be, uh, they're changed. They're changed by His presence. They're changed by His presence. Every one of these men, every one of these guys had spent intimate time with the Lord and because of such, all of them were changed by it. Every single one of them, I told you I was going to give you two verses. Let me give you one more. Uh, Acts 4 and verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They were unlearned. They didn't have, uh, they, didn't have they, they were fishers. They didn't have the education. They, 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 they may have talked like me. Who knows? Probably not that bad, but they were unlearned and they were ignorant men. And they marveled and they took knowledge in. So they were unlearned and they were, uh, they were ignorant men, but they marveled. People marveled. They marveled at unlearned and ignorant men. And they took knowledge 
of these unlearned and these ignorant men. Why? There is one key phrase in here that you need to get, and it is what the whole entire book of Acts is based on. This is how the world, this is how Jason and his brethren turned the world upside down. This is how passion goes from a, from a little candle, a little flicker of a candle to a, a raging fire on the inside. This is how it goes to, man, you, 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 you come to the realization, I can't hide my candle under a bush anymore. What happened? They took knowledge of them. You ready? That they had been with Jesus. That's what that's all it took. All it took for ignorant and unlearned men that they had been with Jesus. Man, you, you know the crazy thing about most of us? There, there's some there's some smart people in the room, but the crazy thing about most, we're just we're pretty plain ordinary people. Right? But what's really cool is that that's exactly the people that Jesus chose to use to turn the world upside down. In fact, those are the people. He didn't use the smartest people in the room. The smartest people in the room couldn't get by. They couldn't help but argue about, about stupid stuff. No, he used unlearned and ignorant men and because of that, because of that, he, 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 chose, he chose to confound the wise. He, he chose to confound the wise that, why? He used the foolish things. He used the abased things. He used the things that were not. Why? Why? So, so that no flesh would glory in His presence so that no flesh would glory in His presence. And, and you know what that tells me? I can be bold in my faith. It tells me that I don't have to be a learned scholar, but I can be bold in my faith and I can go and I can preach the gospel message. That's Paul's story. He met Jesus. Jesus changed his life and he, he, it changed everything about him. What, what do you mean? In His presence. In His presence was the key. That's how these men turned the world upside down. I want you to get it. Unless you and me slow down and get in the presence of God, there'll be no turning the world upside down. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how much you study. I don't, if you don't take time to actively, to actively slow down and get intimate with the Lord, because I know a lot of people that know a lot of things. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people that know that know twice as much as I do. But you know what? Their life don't show it. There's no excitement about the Lord. There's no excitement about spiritual things. There's no interest in anything. There's no interest in, in getting involved in the mission. There's no interest in discipleship. And from, from a spiritual perspective, their lives are totally hopeless. Their lives are totally joyless. Their lives are totally discouraging. And they're silent. And they live like Jesus is dead. Why? Why? Because they hadn't been with Jesus. Because there was no power. There was no power in their walk. They, they, they had, the, the ignorant and unlearned men of this world had more power than all the Pharisees put together. Put them all together. Line them up. And they had more power. And they had more fervor. And they were willing to die for their faith. You know what's crazy? Is that most of us aren't willing to live for it. We'll say, we'll say all the time, well, I'd die for Jesus. I'd never deny Jesus. But our lives don't reflect it. Our lives don't show that we're living it. Our lives don't say that we're living it. Man, you come to church. You, under, you, you hear some testimonies. You hear people report that, that Jesus is alive and working in their life. And, and you don't have a testimony. 
You've heard all the rumors, but you don't have a personal message to give of your own. All you can do is, is talk about what you've heard. You need to know, you need to know as we start this book that Jesus Christ, I hope He confronts all of us in such a real way that if we are indifferent to the mission, that if we are cold to the mission, if we are cold to the cause of Christ, that if we've gotten caught up in everything that this world has to offer, that we are changed by His presence in such a way, in such a practical way, that we're like the apostles, that our lives are now seen because we've been in the presence of God. They understood His power. They understood, uh, they understood, they were positive of His power. They were positive of His power. Let me, let me, let me, dang, we're running out of time. They were positive of His power. Okay? I, 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 get, get, what, get what happens. There's a dramatic change that's taking place uh, between the Gospel of Luke and, and then the book of Acts. Obviously, there's a transformation in the apostles' lives. And, 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 and to see it, you've you got to see that Luke's gospel it concludes with a bunch of disciples that are fearful they are hiding they are confused they're reluctant preachers they're amazed that they can't get their minds wrapped around what's going on the, the resurrection they couldn't get their mind wrapped around what is taking place but but as you enter the book of Acts, you're, you still wonder, man, I don't know about these boys. You read it, and, and they, they still are, 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 are cowering. I mean, they're asking in Acts 1-6 like they don't have any power. Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom like, like they don't have no power? Well, something happens. After the promise of the coming of the Spirit, there's another element of transformation that's often overlooked in these men. These men who were cowering down, these men who were hiding in fear, all of a sudden, they're in the city of Jerusalem. And they're in the street. And they're calling them murderers and vipers. They're, they're, they're calling out the leaders of Israel who killed Jesus. They, they, they're, they're now preaching. They're now preaching of a, a coming kingdom. You murdered. You murdered your own Messiah. They, they went from the group of, oh, ye of little faith, to, to now they're, they're empowered by the Spirit of God. They're no longer coward. They're courageous who hold nothing back and they absolutely, they absolutely come out of the gate preaching with a, with a fervor that, that can't be matched. You say, sure, the, that rocked their world, but, but it, it hadn't really rocked mine. I, I would say this, if it hadn't really rocked yours, this would be a good time for you to do some own self-examination They're confused about the Old Testament. I, I don't got time to go into all this. They're confused about the Old Testament. They knew some things. Peter would say the right thing, and then Peter would end up and turn around and say the, the, the craziest things on the planet and, and, then, and then get lumped in with Satan. I mean, on one, one hand, dude, he's doing everything right, and then on the other hand, he can't say nothing right. Jesus is talking about his death they didn't understand that <laughs> they couldn't put it all together I, I mean go look at the go look at the gospel of John these jokers all went like they're going back fishing and lo and behold Peter ain't got no clothes on doing it I mean, he's just a weirdo all around. 
I, I, don't, under, I don't understand that. But, but, but what happens? What happens after the resurrection? Their minds were, were blown. Their minds were blown. Well, why, why was their minds blown? I want, you to look, I want you to look at a verse. Man, I'm going way too long. Look at this verse. I, we got to finish it. Luke chapter 24. Charlie. And he said unto him, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. What he did, what he did that changed their life. You ready? He opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. They had a newfound boldness. They were confident in his power because they, they understood what it meant when David prayed that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open thou my eyes. Their eyes were open. Their eyes were open to, to, to perceive and to behold wondrous things out of his law. Now they're running around and they're quoting the Old Testament everywhere. Now they're running around and all the dots are making, all the things are coming together and all of it's making sense. And their eyes are open. Their eyes are open. And, and what happens is the scripture, the, the very book we hold in our hand, it energizes these apostles and it puts a power in them. And they now become emboldened to preach the word of God without apology and without fear of death. You know what? Man, you, you can have that same confidence in the book you hold in your hand. Let me give you this last one. I'm going to pray for you. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. David prayed. David prayed. David sought the Lord. This morning, there's a certain element to the book of Acts that ought to take every one of us over the edge. It ought to push every one of us. We ought to, we ought to come to the place of confrontation. We ought to come to the place of decision. We ought to come to the place to where we, where we, where we earnestly, we count the cost. Maybe this morning, you see it like you've never seen it before. I hope you, I hope, I hope, man, I hope you enjoy the book. But I hope more than anything that God will push us into a place to where we see the priority of the mission. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you for thank you for giving us a book that's, that's been preserved and handed down to us. A lot of blood on the pages of, of this book of many martyrs gone by. A lot of men died, a lot of women died in efforts to preserve the Word of God. And Lord, we, we want to say thank you for that. Lord, thank you that the same Scripture that energized the same power that, empow that empowered the apostles, that empowered the disciples, is the same power that empowers us. The same thing that happens to us. Or maybe there's somebody in this room and they're lost. And they say, man, I, if, I, if I die right now, I, I don't have any assurance of my salvation. And Lord, it, I'm thankful that it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my prayer. It has everything to do with where my, my prayer is prayed. In whom I call on. 
God, that the object of my salvation is, is greater than I'll ever be. And so, Lord, I, I want to say thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Or maybe somebody in the room and they're lost. God, I pray that you bring them to a place of, of humility. God, that they can acknowledge it. Lord, that they can make it right. Lord, for those of us in this room that are saved. Lord, I pray that we're confronted and, Lord, we're challenged. God, that we look and, and, and Lord, I've had a long time to study this thing. And, and Lord, it makes so much sense and it's so convicting to me. But, God, I, I pray, I pray uh, tonight, uh, this morning, God, that it's the same. I pray, God, that you that you let every single person be convinced in their own mind of these truths. Lord, I pray that you bless this morning. I pray, God, that you, you use it. I pray, God, that you're glorified by it. I pray, God, for those that may not be in uh, understanding right now, God, that you help us as we go through this book to, uh, to make it make sense and make it work as we go through it. God, may you be glorified. Lord, may you be honored. May your name be praised. Lord, we love you. And we love what you're doing and how you're doing it in this church. And so, God, I pray that you bless this morning. Lord, thank you for allowing us to baptize again and, and giving us another opportunity to be faithful in that. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.